You are listening to the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. Hey, y'all. We are so fortunate today to have global thought leader and my friend Tucker Stein with us for this episode of The Optimized Mind. Tucker is a brand architect, leadership coach. He believes in the power of human connection, radical authenticity, and social impact through speaking, storytelling, and thought leadership initiatives. He inspires his clients to follow that same path through their own words, one story at a time. Welcome, Tucker. Thanks so much for being here with us today. Awesome to be here today. I'm so excited that you had me on and I can't wait for the conversation. Tell us a little bit about, you know, the work that you're doing, you know, beyond the TEDx speaker coaching and just... Of course. My 30,000 foot view, 25 years of branding, marketing, and advertising, a lot on the agency side of the world. And about 12 years ago, my mentor in the industry founded TEDx San Diego, and I immediately fell in love with people as brands ideas as brands and allowing us as individuals to speak way louder than a product or a service or whatnot. So having spent many sleepless nights in a stress-filled environment, I said, nope, I want to be working with people and I've always wanted to. So I always said I either wanted to be an architect or a psychologist. Nice. And what I ended up doing was helping individuals design their messages, their brands, their movements around what they're most passionate about. So I was still able to bring that psychology and some of that architecture into it. That's what I do today. And really helping, like you said, beyond just public speaking, but helping people crystallize what their core ideas are, what they want to bring to the world, how they want to show up. And ultimately leadership that's more focused on purpose, conscious driven business, more about impact than bottom line. And I've just found that's where the passion is. That's where the fulfillment is. Having spent almost 20 years being unfulfilled in a career path, it's great to know that after the age of 40, you can reinvent. And when we think about optimizing our mind and our brain, that took me 40 years to figure out. So that could be part of our conversation today. But that's really what it's about. It's helping entrepreneurs, small businesses turn their stories into more purpose-driven business. And that's what I absolutely love to do. That's awesome. Oh my goodness. So, so inspiring. And so Within that, as you were speaking, I kept kind of saying to myself, authentic self. So it mm -hmm. sounds like that's a big piece of what you're helping people to connect with and find both as human beings, as well as in the work they're doing. Is that accurate? Absolutely. And I'm fairly open about it. But you know, I found that when I finally accepted where I was struggling the most, and you know, seven years ago, I mean, I, I had grown up with severe anxiety. But as you know, 70s and 80s, there was no diagnosis per se of anxiety. It was, oh, you worry too much. So I spent a lot of my life burying and satiating some of those feelings the best way possible. And I got to a point where at the age of 40, I was like, mm, this isn't working anymore. And I had to do something differently, you know, drinking too much, isolating, you know, just not really following a healthy lifestyle that I really wanted to be a part of. And I remember waking up one morning and saying, okay, the only thing I have to change is everything. And I literally audited myself as if I were at a you know board of directors or whatever it was. And I had to go through and literally audit myself from how I woke up in the morning, how I showed mm -hmm. up to my relationships, my work, myself for that matter. When I embraced that 
and was able to connect and understand that and share that, yes. all of a sudden, the people that started showing up were the best people possible. The people I work with today, my closest friends, my inner circle, we've talked about that personal board of yes. directors, yes. are individuals that I've met within the last seven years. And I had to shed a lot of that old, old behaviors, old individuals, old contacts, old people I work with, because mm -hmm. I had spent so many years really focused on the wrong things. It was inauthenticity because I wasn't being authentic to myself. Uh, literally, and you'll see when I, when I talk about this is woke up one day thinking I was living somebody else's life, somebody else's expectations, being a perfectionist, people pleasing, all of those things. So it wasn't until I said, hold on, let me tell my story. Let me focus more on what I love to do. People like that. I was taught early on that people buy on emotion and justify with logic. And in so much of our business, we flipped the, you know, the, the script on that. We forget the humanity part. We forget the emotion part. And we focus so much on the logic. We end up creating inauthentic connections and relationships. So that's a little bit longer way to answer the question, but that's kind of the journey that I've had the last few years. Yeah, well, that's incredibly powerful and just really punctuates the power of authenticity and how that really helps us as, as people to come into ourselves. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're helping your clients to do, building themselves, building their brands mm -hmm. in that authentic space. Absolutely. So tell me how this connects with the idea of story and storytelling. So I'll go back to a little bit about what I just said specifically on this concept of connection through authenticity or mm -hmm. the power of story. And the reason why I say the word story is stories allow us to create connection, relatability, and most importantly, trust. Mm -hmm. If someone can connect with and be like, oh yeah, I can relate to that. Oh yeah, I've been there before. You and I were just talking about the fact that we have teenage boys. Yes. God help us if we make it through <laughs> the next few years. But that immediately connects, you know, connects us in a way that, oh, they know how I feel. I know how they feel. There's a trust and a bond there already. We'll get to business later, but let's get to know each other first. And I think that's where it's become more powerful. And this is not about airing your dirty laundry and all the skeletons in the closet. It's using anecdotal information or life experiences that have helped shape who you are as individuals. Mm -hmm. Most of those experiences have some sort of lesson, some sort of message or whatever it is that's going to connect with someone. And if you can make that connection early on, everything that you do thereafter becomes that much more lucrative, stronger, longer lasting, which is why I love doing what I'm doing. Because literally the first meeting that you and I had, or that I have with any client, we get right down to it. You get vulnerable, you get courageous and you get messy right off the bat. But that is where we always say, you know, there's messiness in the message. Mess is actually in the word message, but some of that vulnerability allows us to be able to create the clarity and that purpose that we're looking for that ultimately is going to drive us to do, you know, bigger, better things. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And so what are some of your sort of core projects that you've got going on right now that are sort of hitting these, these points? It's been a variety of things. And that's one of the things that really where I started to struggle in my late thirties was monotony, complacency, settling. Yes. So it was the same thing every single day. We've talked about this too, where it's mm -hmm. like, I see the same people, whatever it is, and there's no excitement. So right. I, I decided, even though it was scary as hell to do that entrepreneurial thing, Yeah. what's great is you get to show up differently and you get to kind of pick and choose where you think you need to fit in. I shouldn't say fit in. That's the wrong. I say where you belong, right? Yeah. Fitting in is having to change who you are to fit in. Mm -hmm. Belonging is not having to change a thing and feeling like you're belonging to a place. I always yes. have to remember that. 
Great distinction. Um, so I stumbled upon a little bit of this public speaking and this coaching, and it's just opened up, you know, especially the TEDx stage, talking with people that are experts in their field. So you mm-hmm. get introduced to, I mean, the porn addicted rabbi, the neuroscientist, the brain surgeon, the intermittent fasting woman, the student who all, all they want to do is change the world through, you know, transforming education. You get to hear all of the powerful things that people are passionate about. That's where my brain starts to, you know, activate. And you and I talked about that those years when I was really anxious, I was completely disconnected, dissociated from everything. My brain became what I call obese, the obese brain. Mm-hmm. It was loaded with stuff, but it wasn't doing anything. And bigger did not mean better in that sense. Right. The moment I transformed all of the, almost had to rewire everything is when I started to lose that mental weight mm-hmm. that was really kind of weighing me down. So there's that idea around public speaking and coaching. I had the privilege a few years back before COVID being a part of a prison work where I actually got to go inside prisons and literally helped storytelling with inmates who are never going to see the light of the day outside walls ever again, using storytelling to resolve conflict teaching entrepreneurship with inside prison. How do you create businesses? You know, most inmates only make 75 cents a day. I mean, you know, it's, there's not much going on. So that was really powerful. And then most recently, and a lot of it's the networking and and surrounding yourself with great people. What was really cool. I got connected to an 82 year old man who simply wanted to talk about a TEDx talk or, or a keynote speech that he was giving. And it's all about why do we wait until somebody dies to tell them how much we feel about them or how much they've impacted our lives. The idea was the power of the living tribute. Why do we wait? I mean, they're never going to hear it. So why do we do this? Right. So we turned it into a movement. And now we're working with over 250,000 students across the US. How do we bring gratitude into the schools, changing our behaviors, changing the way we look at how we connect with one another. And the whole campaign is say it now. Why do we wait until someone's dead to tell them how we feel? So things like that. I mean, I never would have thought talking, taking gratitude and turning it into a movement with an 82 year old man. was just, I mean, foreign, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is amazing. It's I mean, so, that cool, is so powerful. Yeah. So, so those amazing. are the kinds of pro- projects that again, if you find yourself kind of stuck, start talking to people, you know, the ask, ask what you want to do. You know, don't for, you know, don't be afraid to say, Hey, I want to do this. How do you think I can get there? I played way too small for way too many years. And that allowed me to play big and gain that confidence to be able to do things that were super passionate. That is very, very cool. How, how powerful Tucker. And so really within that message, all of what you just said is that power of human connection that power of human experience and sort of expanding on that as you're doing in all of these projects, in all of this work. But I'm so struck. I mean, the project that you're working on with the 82-year-old guy and the sort of, I mean, how impactful, right? And then bringing so much sort of human connection to the guys and the folks within the prison walls. I mean, that's really, really powerful. Giving so much within the context of your work is something that I'm struck by for sure. You know, I've learned over the last you know, decade that in order to keep what we have, we have to start giving things away. And it's, you know, whether it's knowledge or service or material things or whatever it is, in order to have what we have, we have to be able to share it. So it can come in the form of many different things, which is why, you know, I love doing what I do. Absolutely. That is so cool. Absolutely. The power of giving back is it cannot be understated for sure. Got it. So tell me a little bit more about, you know, how you've kind of managed through sort of become this power powerful entrepreneur in a sense. I mean, because there are challenges along the way as an entrepreneur, right? How do you manage that? Oh, the challenges are so small, Kate. (laughs) 
if you know me behind the scenes, I was not a risk taker. I was financially very insecure, always worried about finances, always worried about failure. And it really took me out. It was tough to kind of overcome that. Back in, I think I was newly married, probably around 2004, right before the birth of our son, I did a personality test with a kind of a business coach advisor. And this guy told me almost 20 years ago that I would run my own business at some point in my life. And I was like, I don't have the chutzpah. I don't have that courage. I don't have that. I want the security of being that W2 employee and getting the paycheck and having that security of things. I knew I wasn't going to work on commission and I knew I didn't want to be an entrepreneur because that scared me. Right. But then I saw the detrimental effects of what staying in the wrong place can do just because you think it's safe and secure. And at the end of the day, that sense of security was totally false. And I ended up making myself even more insecure and unsafe by sticking with what I with what I had. Part of it's just that leap of faith. It's literally saying, okay, if you're going to do it, do it. If you're going to do it, share it. If, tell people what you're doing. I'll never forget that day that I started the new business. And my dad, of all people, goes, well, who are you working with? And I said, I don't know. I said, well, have you told anyone yet? And I went, oh, nobody knew that I was even out there doing something different. So that's the part of, of getting out there and sharing and connecting. That goes back to that storytelling and getting in front of people. And it wasn't until that that I realized, okay, maybe I'm better at doing this. My gifts have been underutilized for decades. How do I find that zone of genius? How do I find those gifts? And how do I use them to find more purpose? I say the way you kind of, there's an equation or there's a Venn diagram that I use that purpose is in the center and it's mission, career, calling, and passion. And if all four of those can find some sort of touch point, mm-hmm. then you found some purpose. And I was, I had that career thing. This is what I know. I graduated school. This is all the other things totally missing and it becomes lopsided and the ecosystem that's going on in your nervous system is not working. So yeah, it was, it was not easy. I mean, I've definitely had some trips and falls, but I talk about the trips and falls. I always say failure is an option now. And when I fail, it happened yesterday. I had, I had a perceived failure and I learned from it. And so instead of being fearful around it, I actually use it as fuel. And that's exactly, that's such an important point, right? Because that's a point that we, you know, want to teach our kids, right? This idea that it's okay to fail or, you know, we can also frame it as not succeeding the first time and having to kind of approach something from a different angle or, you know, look at sort of something else to do, what have you, but really that different angle. And so that, that's such an important point that we you make. We don't teach emotional intelligence. Right. I didn't even understand what that was until at the age of 40, I did an emotional intelligence training program. And I look back and I go, you know, God bless my parents. But, you know, in, in that day and age, everything was in this bubble. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, you, if there's fear, we'll take that away from you. Uh, oh, no, 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 don't worry. We don't want you to worry. About it. It's, it's like almost taking away the pain, the failures, the challenges, because they don't want you to feel that. But at the end of the day, I got to college and I was like, challenge, what do I do? You're not given the opportunity to fail and learn. Yeah. It can be very, very hard later on in life. So as you know, and and we're raising teenagers right now, I've got a boy and a girl. We're wide open books on this stuff. The stuff, the conversations we have with our kids, I never in a million years would have had that conversation with my parents. And it wasn't because we had a bad relationship. It's just that was the generational way in which we were raised that we don't talk so much about the emotions and all of that kind of stuff. So we wake up every day thinking, okay, our classroom is to be able to teach our kids all of those things that you're not going to learn in school. Absolutely. Such an important point. And that's one thing that, you know, when I'm out there doing sort of parenting work or work on resilience or, you know, with kids, that sort of thing, 
that transparency that we can share with our children as parents is so powerful and really does help in terms of that social emotional intelligence piece and building those skills over time. So thank you for, for mentioning that because it's, it's vital, right? Well, as parents, we always say that if we admit failure or show failure, that our kids are going to think of us differently. They Not are so. going to, think, but they are going to think of us differently. They're going to admire you more. Exactly. Exactly. Um, That's what I mean. Think of us differently in a good way. In a good way. And mm-hmm. I think that was one of those things, you know, I had some tough conversations because I fell on my, you know, my ego soared, you know, years ago. And my kids had to watch me go through that. I never call it a midlife crisis. I call it a midlife awakening. I mean, yep. that is, you know, that's when my awakening happened because I wasn't going to call it a crisis because if anything, that was that failure was my greatest success story. And now I always say that my comeback is my greatest give back. And that's kind of my mantra that I show up to every day. I absolutely love that. And speaking of that, you just contributed to a book, right? I did. I did. That was the title of your chapter. Is that right? It was. Yeah. It was. I had an opportunity to be on a podcast recently and with a gentleman, uh, his name is Payman Lorenzo. And his whole podcast is around leadership, leaders with the heart. And we just started talking and he goes, well, I'm doing this book with 12 other authors and we're looking for somebody else. And I said, sign me up. I've always wanted to be a published author. I've always wanted to be able to say, okay, now it's really out there. I'm not just talking about it. Yeah, <laughs> It's yeah. in print, so it's there. Mm-hmm. But it was a great exercise, being able to kind of put it all out there. And you talk about vulnerability and a little bit of you know courage on the side and just being able to connect with people differently. It was very cathartic. It was very liberating. And that's also one of those proud moments, you know, those little bucket list things that sometimes you think I'll never get to that. You know, I'll never have an opportunity to do that. And again, following some of this more purpose, passion filled work, all of a sudden, instead of seeking things, they seek you. And that is, I mean, the same way that we're here today right? We've stayed in touch. We've stayed connected. We help each other in all sorts of things. Absolutely. And that keeps that stuff going way outside of where we initially, you know, met and the scope of what, you know, we were working on together. And those are the kinds of relationships, you know, working with clients. Once that scope of work is done, most of my clients, I end up, you know, staying incredibly close with, which is great. I love it. I love it. Just really reinforcing the power of human connection, the power of human experience. I absolutely love that. You know, what else can you sort of share with us from the lens of an entrepreneur who sort of went through this awakening, shifted gears, has mm-hmm. built something so powerful, you know, which contributes so much. What tips, what can you share with us on sort of, yeah. you know, how to make that happen in our own lives? Well, I think if I go back, I always equated, and again, this is probably our upbringing, but entrepreneur, again, was more of a more recent phenomenon in terms of, of business, more like, mm-hmm. you know, 80s, 90s. Sure. But that vision of an entrepreneur is always like greedy, money hungry. They want it all to themselves, whatever it is. They want status and this and that. Right. I never wanted to be associated with that whatsoever. So what I, what I always coach clients with specifically is only become an entrepreneur because you want to be able to create impact. Mm-hmm. If you're doing it for bottom line, if you're doing it for the money, it's not the glamorous, sexy thing that you see in movies. You're not driving the Ferraris and this and then that. It is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. A lot of ups and downs, a lot of ebb and flow. But what's kept it alive for me specifically is I know I can wake up every day and I still love what I do. The moment you stop loving it, it's time to make a change. On top of that, surround yourself with people who want to see you succeed. That was the situation I had with yesterday. Somebody who definitely was was riding the ego train and did not see that kind of moral or, or integrous alignment. And that's a big thing. 
you got to surround yourself with the right people. It's not all about the investors and getting the funding and this and that. Entrepreneurship can be a super small, tiny little business. Mm -hmm. It's only because it doesn't fit the mold of corporate America. There isn't another company that's doing that. And that's what I also see too, is if you can do it outside the confines of typical corporate business, you're probably going to have a lot more autonomy, freedom, control, creativity, innovation, all of those things, because you're not put in that box, but you have to do it for the right reasons. And you can't start with nothing. You don't need a million dollars in the bank from your series A, B, C, D, phase one, whatever it is. You can start with nothing as long as you're in it for the right reasons and surround yourself with the right people. And you're serving people the way that they understand why you do it, not how you do it. And that's super important. Absolutely. That is such a great point. And again, I know I sound like a broken record, but coming back to reinforcing the power of human connection, the power of human experience and bringing all of those things together in an authentic way. I think it's so awesome. So, so awesome. So I'm curious as we're sitting here talking, you know, if you can kind of talk a little bit about, I don't know, some of your hobbies, passions outside of work, who is the real Tucker Stein? Not that you haven't shared the real Tucker Stein with us, but who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we, we joked you know, recently that it's the tired, stressed out dad that's trying to get his son into college. That's just one element, but we love every moment of it, right? Absolutely. Um, yes, we do. So yeah, dad married 20, gosh, we're going on 23 years and happy anniversary, by the way. I know you just celebrated the big two five. Thank you so um, much. Two teenagers, a girl and boy. We live in San Diego. So we are definitely the avid outdoor family. Although as soon as it drops below, you know, 60 degrees. Um, we put our parkas on. We think the world's coming to an end, but we're very much by the ocean. So uh, I took little, that, I'm I a little took... jealous of that. A little jealous. Yep. Mm-hmm. You're close. Just a little bit different kind of a thing. I mean, right, you, you different, right diff- down and down into the sound. You're right there. A different ocean, but still, yes, different it's all good. Kind of climate. But we took up stand-up paddleboarding, which nice. is so much fun. I love hiking. We've got the Eastern Sierras here in California, so we get away and in, into the mountains. We love being by the beach. Avid sports for for kids. So I'm the soccer dad. My wife is the soccer mom, but we are in tow with soccer balls and you know SUVs every single weekend. And we're also big movie buffs. Weekend for us is a new thriller, a new horror movie, or something that gets us to feel you know scared, afraid, and gets our heart racing. We're pretty low key though. You know, it's where, you know, you get closer to 50 and and all of a sudden life changes. (laughs) Just, just, just a little bit. It's okay to be taking a nap or lying on the couch or, but yeah, we're, we're having fun and I'm the quintessential, just love to be around family and keeping it simple. I absolutely love it. I have to tell you that I can relate to a lot of that, a lot of what you just said. And, you know, is as a teenage dad, you know, I'm a mom of two teenagers and that is a huge, huge piece that keeps us on our toes, right? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and, and on our toes is, and lots of sleepless nights. <laughs> yes. And there is no one size fits all, but we're, we're making it happen. It's an evolving process, an evolving process. Oh my goodness. So anything else that you want to kind of leave us with in terms of, you know, folks kind of working towards their potential, working towards their art, discovering their authentic selves, you know, building a successful business, anything that we've kind of missed? I feel like You've provided so much wisdom and so many helpful insights for us here in this discussion. We covered a lot today. I'm actually really excited. You asked some very good questions. And I think for me, one of my favorite messages to give is 
at any age we can reinvent. Love and we it. also think that sometimes entrepreneurship is for a certain type of person. I believe it's for the type of person that has a passion so big that it can't be it cannot be bottled up in a corporate working environment. It needs to be shared. And I think it can be for everyone. If you've got the resources, the time, the positivity, the drive, and also wanting that that balance of freedom, work-life balance, entrepreneurship does not have to be 24-hour days, you know, eight days a week. There can be balance. Um, and that goes back to finding ways to create self-care, some self-love, rest, ask for help. The number one thing as a middle-aged man, Yes. That we do not know how to do. And I know a lot of men can relate to this is we do not ask for help. And it's something that I struggled with for many years. I would not be where I'm at today, the happiness level without asking for help, being able to admit that I needed. And then not just, I mean, some really, some big help, emotional help, financial help, finding the right resources that again, are going to see you lift you up rather than try and push you down. But I do, I do wholeheartedly believe that too many of people in this world waste their time on things that aren't making them happy. I, real quick, you know, Mental Health America puts out their the mental well-being of the workplace every year. And it's mm-hmm. a big research report. And the numbers came out of 2020, 65% of all Americans are looking for a job, mm-hmm. a new job. Mm-hmm. Only 20, 20 to 21% actually find purpose and fulfillment in what they do. Those numbers are dangerous. And I think part of the problem is we've got the, you know, the equation flipped here. We need 80% people to be, if not more, empowered and happy and, you know, fulfilled in what they do. So if, and I always say, you know, if you're not fulfilled and, you know, it doesn't matter, take a break, try something new responsibly, obviously, Uh, of course, but that goes back to surrounding yourself with the right people, the right resources to make it happen. Cause I've seen it ugly and I've seen it very bright. And the ugliness doesn't have to be as ugly as it needs to be. As long as you can work through the failure, ask for help, find more passion in what you do, and don't be afraid to start over. Love it. Oh my goodness. That is such incredible insight, Tucker, and will help so many because you're right. You're hitting that right on the nail on the head, no no pun intended there, in terms of this idea of happiness being so central, right? We need that to thrive. The ability to ask for help, the ability to get back up when things don't go right the first time. All messages that we're hoping to instill out there in our children, but you're bringing it to the forefront here. So thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us today. This was incredibly, incredibly powerful and so appreciative of everything that you've shared. Kate, thank you so much for having me. It was an honor, a privilege. I think the listeners can tell that we've done a lot of great things together and share a lot of the same passions, which again, I agree, find those people find that tribe, find those individuals that help lift you up and want to see you succeed and collaborate. And I just want to thank you so much for inviting me and, and allowing me to be on here and, and helping and share the message and, and connect with others. So thanks again. Absolutely, Tucker. Greatly appreciate it. And we'll talk soon for sure. Thanks for being here all. And always please share your ideas and feedback with me. And if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the show. Until next time. Onward. This has been a Mission Matters Network production. Listen to this show and browse our entire catalog by visiting missionmatters.com.